even though you can't choose your family, you can choose to be around them or not. I always wanted to be successful. I always thought I deserved it. I always knew I would do something with my life. I have literally been posting gym videos since I was 17. But the fastest way to change how you feel is to change your location. When we were in lockdown, though, I didn't earn anything for like five months. If your childhood hadn't have been the way it was, mm. you wouldn't be sat here today with an app that does millions of pounds. You wouldn't be sat here with book deals. You wouldn't be sat here living in Dubai. You wouldn't be sat here with the opportunities that you've got. Like, I felt so shit. I was literally consuming some days 300 calories. But then remember, I'm probably running about a thousand off. My impulsiveness has made me succeed in business because I don't wait around. It's like when people say, what's your five-year plan? I absolutely hate that phrase. I want to meet people that are going to inspire me and I can inspire them and we can grow from each other. You've got to start taking initiative and you've got to start working for what you want. Don't be a warrior. Be a warrior. They worry about not succeeding. They worry about their business failing and that's the biggest thing that stops them from succeeding. Do you feel like you can help people? Do you feel like you're actually good at it? Do you feel like you back yourself on it? Do you feel like you're confident in it? And that's how I think you know you've got purpose. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee podcast, coming live to you from Dubai. And I have got the queen of British fitness, Miss Courtney Black. Wow. Welcome to the show. What an intro. Yeah. DXB, baby. Yeah. <laughs> How are you liking Dubai so far? Yeah, I love it. Love you're it. Glad you made the move. Yeah, well, I've not fully moved yet, but I'm really happy. I'm really settled. And I don't really want to go back, but obviously it's summer, so. Yeah, you, yeah, I suppose you can't stay here yeah. when it's getting... I'm ready to be here full time, though. You ready? I feel like everyone here is just so much more driven. People that I've met within like the last week, like going and like having meetings with people. Like I've met people that own like incredible like gyms and like businesses out here. And I feel like everyone's just like a lot more open to helping each other and like talking about. It's definitely more think, collaborative, yeah. isn't it? Way I'd more. Say. It's not even that everyone just wants to help each other. I, I mean, obviously, I was living in Australia for eight and a half years. Yeah. I'll go back to the UK thinking I'm going to absolutely full send it with the podcast. And I, I did, did all right there. I got a few good guests on. But I just found it so, because it wasn't summer there, it was like so draining and yeah, like weighted is. down. And I just kind of thought, right, Dubai for me, let's get out, let's get yeah. on. Yeah, look, England's an amazing place. I love London. I'm a Londoner. I've always loved London. And to be honest with you, I'm surprised that I have decided to move. But one thing is obviously safety and then obviously the lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with London. I just, I'm ready for a change. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading, obviously, a, intensively into your backstory because I, right. I wanted to really understand you. You were stalking me. Yeah, no, nah, no, I don't. Go <laughs> easy, go easy. Don't tell anyone. But no, I was, re- I was reading about, and obviously your whole journey has, has been mad in terms of like, you know, from selling eBooks and everything you've done in business yeah. and we'll go into that. But I really wanted to go into your, into more of your childhood and how you, yeah. and how you came up because I know when I read your story, it, it must have been a difficult childhood. Your relationship with your dad, mm. um, your eating disorder I read about today. And all that kind of stuff. I really want to unpack that. So talk to me about growing up in East London and what that was kind of like, you know, and and how that kind of transcended into you getting into into your fitness. Mm. Do you know what? It was amazing because I was a bit, I'd say naive when I was growing up as to what was going on around me. Didn't realise like, obviously, look, my dad was a good dad to me. Do you know what I mean? He's never done anything wrong to me. 
except obviously when my mum and dad split up, things went a bit sour. But I was young. My mum didn't tell me anything. They hid it very well. My sister was quite aware, I think. But I didn't know until she hit the fan, you could say. So I didn't know like my, what my mum was feeling, how upset my mum was, what my mum was going through. And look, mum, again, my dad wasn't like a horrible husband. Well, they wasn't married. A horrible partner. But obviously he had an addiction. And that didn't make him aggressive. It didn't make him angry or anything like that. But to live with someone with an addiction that strong is really, really tough. And I can literally see how much my mum went through. Because recently, I met someone just out and about. And I see how like addicted they was. And even just being their friend was so tough. So to be with someone for that many years and go through that for that many years, I can't even imagine how hard it was on it. And when, when I see my mum break down when they split up and she come to me and she explained the situation, she explained that she's been trying for so long to stay with my dad, for me mainly, because my sister was older. And I think she just, the relief on her face that I could see when I said to her, mum, don't stay with him, was just like incredible. Like it literally just looked like so much stress had left her body and I I just I don't know what she went through for so many years I mean the things that I've heard in the background like must have been easy for her but and I think now for me having been that naive it has opened my eyes a lot to what's going on around me and look addiction is a horrible horrible thing and not speaking to your dad since you're 13 is is quite intense but look there's a lot worse things going on in the world it's made me a stronger person but I didn't really realise it affected me as much as I think it, it has. And I only realise that now, obviously, being interviewed by people and podcasts and I had a therapist for a bit and they start mentioning it and they start going, do you reckon that's maybe a trigger for your eating disorder? Because that's when it started getting really bad. Do you reckon that's, I feel like I definitely have commitment issues. <laughs> do you reckon that's probably one of the bits from there? And it's only when people start asking you these questions that, you think mm, maybe it is. You think you think subtle patterns have come out Definitely. from your childhood into into adulthood. Yeah, and you've brought them with you. What was your dad addicted to? Drugs. You, what heroin? Oh, cocaine? No, not heroin. Jesus. Co- <sighs> cocaine. God. Yeah, no, but a cocaine addiction, like you can, yeah. you can seriously get into a yeah. serious hole with cocaine. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, and obviously, it's with cocaine. There comes that massive euphoric high, which obviously yeah. you keep having to take more and more to get the euphoric yeah. high that you got. And then there's also there can be aggression on the back end of. Look, my dad was a lovely guy. This is the thing. Like, he's got a lot of good traits to him, but he's absolutely ruined himself. Like, and it's so sad because I do think he knows it. Because, like, look, my dad doesn't dislike me, right? My dad loves me. And he's not even tried to speak to me since I was 13. He still speaks to my sister. But I genuinely think that's not... I think that's because he doesn't want to drag me down. And it's... I don't, I've never actually been this in detail about it before, but, and I only say that now because my mum and me and my sister, I've only just started recently talking to him about it. But I genuinely think, like, it's because he doesn't want to drag me down. Put it this way, right? My dad's never asked me for a penny. Yeah. And I know recently that my dad's been struggling. Yeah. And I've even said to my sister, look, I don't, I haven't spoke to my dad since I was 13 and I don't want to speak to my dad. And I know that might sound horrible, but I don't want to speak to him because we've just grown so far apart and I don't want it to be like that. But obviously, I'll always help him out. Like, I don't dislike him. Do you know what I mean? But he's never, ever, ever rang me and asked me for a penny. And he knows what I'm up to. Like, he does check. Do you know what I mean? He knows what I'm doing. He asked my sister about me. Like, he, like him and his uncles and that, they, they definitely do check online and stuff. But he's never once asked me for anything. He's never once tried to get in contact. 
And I genuinely think that's because he knows that he would drag me down. And he knows that he can't help with addiction. And he knows what I'm like. And he knows I would, I would probably speak to him again if he sorted himself out. But he just don't want to. And it's not in his DNA. Have you ever thought about a perspective shift in terms of like, I know you say you don't want to speak to him now, mm. but have you ever thought of it from a point of view of like, your dad was just trying to do the best that he could to cope with the situation that he was in in, in his own time? No, because he's still addicted. But have you ever tried to get into understanding why he's addicted in the first place? Yeah, it's like talking to a brick wall. And it's a shame. It is a shame. If he ever once said to me like, oh, maybe we can sort this or whatever, like I'll definitely like be up for like helping him or whatever. But as I say, I feel like it's a tough one because I feel like he has gone so far now. And I do feel like you, even though you can't choose your family, you can choose to be around him or not. Yeah. And it was just negative energy. And you just had to yeah. shift yourself from that so yeah. that you could elevate. I remember I'm 26. I'm still like, I'm not long like a proper adult. Do you know what I mean? Like, and from 13 to 26... I feel like there should have been some sort of like adult role there. There should have been some sort of parent parental role there, and there wasn't. It was just I'll talk to your sister, but I won't talk to you. So maybe I am a little bit bitter still, but yeah, yeah. Because obviously you could carry that bitterness into you know into where you are now. And yeah, because like obviously your sister's talking to him, you're not talking to him. So there's mm. a separation there. But do you think that kind of fired you up to go along your entrepreneurial journey and kind of got you to move forward that way? No, no, I'm not going to use that as that because I've always been like this. Even my dad would back me. I've always had this mindset. Look, we grew up with nothing, right? I'm not being funny, but we had, we just lived in Bow. Like we had a council, like a little council house. My mum's only just bought her first house, right? She's like 53, whatever, 54 with her new husband. They've literally only just managed to get somewhere. Like we're, we're not from money at all. Like, and I never got given pocket money or anything like that. And it's not a sob story. I just didn't. And I wanted it. Like, I always wanted to be successful. I always thought I deserved it. I always knew I would do something with my life. And I told my mum I would since I was young. And I've always had, like, just a really, like, open mind to all different opportunities. I've always tried new things. And I knew somehow that I would make it. And I think that is running in my DNA. I don't know where it's come from. I think maybe my mum just absolutely nurtured me and it really did help. Like, my mum is my best friend. She was with me every single step of the day. If I wanted to go dance lessons, she'd drive me there. She would literally spend her last penny putting me through dance lessons, driving me up and down the country. Anything I wanted to do, she would back me on it. So, I don't know whether that's come from there or whether it's come from not having a lot and wanting a lot. But I, I wouldn't say it's come from that because, if anything, my dad gave me quite a lot when he was with me. It's like he... I was his little princess. So it's not like if any if he had anything, he would give it to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really know. I was reading about there was a time when you were a dancer. Yeah. And you were going through a dance class or something like that. And there was a there was a point in that dance class where another another girl was saying if you lose weight, you can dance better or if you weigh less, you can dance better. Oh, loads, you know and, what? And yeah. that's and that was the was, am I right in thinking that was a pivotal moment of when the eating disorder started? I don't actually know. There was multiple reasons. I remember, a few things I remember is one, being called Mr. Blobby at school. <laughs> Two, wearing a baby pink lycra Latin dress and just seeing belly. And I just remember for like a, I think I was like 12 at the time, 12 year old kid, to be so focused on this picture. It was just multiple things like, 
yeah, in the dancing, everyone used to say, like, you can move faster, you can dance better if you're skinnier. I don't know, I just think it was just an accumulation of all different things. I think growing up as well, like, my my dad and my, my nan, they always would give us, like, loads of sweets, loads of chocolate. And I don't know whether I see that as, sort of like, a punishment when I tried to restrict myself from it or I don't really know I think many factors went into it growing up in the generation that I was and it was all around the Victoria's Secret catwalks I just think it was a complete shit show <laughs> everything come together yeah that, that's another thing because mm. you used to go running yeah specifically to the Victoria yeah, consistently Se- Victoria's Secret YouTube video or something. yeah just walk <laughs> me through the mentality of how that came about though just it would motivate me Looking at them would motivate me. So you'd be watching Victoria's Secret model catwalk. Yeah. And you'd be running on a treadmill. Yeah. And then you'd be going home to make yourself sick because you wanted to throw I've never up. been sick. No? Just wouldn't eat. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. But I would literally just not eat. So, so how, what was the moment you kind of... How did you manage to break through? Because obviously there's a lot of people that might be listening to this and might be going through some form of eating disorder themselves mm. that are really struggling on how to move through it or some form of addiction to something else and they want to pivot themselves yeah. away from this and obviously take, take a different course of action mm. what were the steps that you put in place to kind of make that happen well it I had, I had a boyfriend when I was about 18 or whatever and I remember I flew home from Turkey when I was on holiday with him I was just such a bitch and I thought he was the worst person in the world because we was rowing but it was me when you look back I wasn't eating I was going to the gym at like four in the morning on my own I literally spent the holiday on my own being a miserable, miserable woman. And then when we started arguing, I just thought he was just being horrible, like being spiteful. But I realised it was me. And then all my relationships around me started breaking down, like friends, family. Like I'd go to family dinners, family events, family parties. I wouldn't be eating or I wouldn't go because I didn't want to be around the food. Or I'd lock myself in the toilet and chew and spit. Um, So I just felt segregated from everyone. I'd be in the office toilets and I'd literally buy a chocolate and chew and spit it out and I couldn't be in any situation around anyone in to do with food I didn't want people to see me eating I would secret eat um I would avoid any work events because I didn't have the energy to go so I'd li- I remember once I literally took all my stuff into work pretended I was going and got the train home because I'd literally been up because I've been up since like four o'clock that morning I got the night bus and then the train into work so I could get to the gym for like half five, it was one of them pure gyms and be in there for a good two, three hours. And I would absolutely kill myself before work, but I just couldn't sleep. So I was always miserable. I was always so like tired and I just killed off any relationship or any friendship by either criticising what they was eating, being miserable, constantly thinking about food, not wanting to go out. And I just realised how much I was ruining my life. Was that triggered by any bullying that you'd experienced? I, do you know what? I, I definitely wasn't bullied at school, but I definitely didn't fit in. It's weird. There was no direct bullying, but I didn't really have that many friends. I think I had like three friends, but they wasn't in my class because I was in the top class. So I was like, I was a bit of a, bit of a geek. Um, and I had like a few girls in my, but, <laughs> I hate to say the word, but we was all a little bit geeks, but there's nothing wrong with being a geek. Like, I mean, I've, I was thriving because I was a geek. Do you know what I mean? But we was like the little geeks. And so obviously people would be like a bit, They'd laugh at you a little bit, but there was no real reason for them to pick on me because I was likable. I would tell them to shut up and I wasn't like easily picked on, but I was definitely segregated. So yeah, 
because I would sit in the classroom doing my homework on my own. I would want to go home and play Stardoll rather than going out with people. So, I, yeah, I felt definitely segregated. So that's where that could have come from. But I wouldn't say there was direct bullying. So I think it was like a combination of obviously being surrounded by diet culture, being surrounded by, yeah, like, it's just the, the generation I think I was brought up in mainly. And obviously the dancing... But how do you feel about the way that the fitness industry has gone now where it's like very pro-positive, plus-size models? Mm. I, I kind of feel like they've gone completely too far the other way Yeah, there way needs now. to be a happy medium, don't they, really? There, there, there needs to be like a, a normalisation of like being healthy both ways. I just think it's just about moving your body and feeling good. And like, look, if you don't want to be athletic, then that's fine. If you don't want to be skinny, that's fine. If you don't want to be overweight, that's fine. Like, but... Yeah, health health is really important. Like my sister was really overweight, really overweight, and I know how much that affected her life. So I wouldn't promote that to anyone because I mean, like she, if she carried on, she probably would have had a heart attack. She was so heavy at some points that her feet literally smelt, and I'm so proud of her. Like, but but she had the opposite to me. She had an eating disorder in the opposite way to me. So she literally come to us and she said, "I can't stop eating." Like, and she said, I've literally tried, I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this, but she was like, I've literally tried and I have to make myself sick because I can't stop myself from eating. She was like, I'm literally addicted. But then obviously she felt comfortable talking to me about it because I was in the opposite direction to her. It's amazing. It's It's amazing how at a similar pivotal point in your life Mm. when obviously your dad uh, formed the addiction, obviously started to get really engrossed in cocaine, that your sister's gone one way yeah. with eating and uh, she's probably now comfort eating to get over her demons with mm. it you've gone completely opposite way you're now not eating to get over your demons with it you both probably don't realize at this point yeah and then you've carried through this set of patterns into and your then we're adult probably life. making each other worse yeah because i think i think <laughs> i think when i was listening to another piece you did you were judging her for the way that she was operating yeah. and she was probably judging you for the way that you were operating mm-hmm. did that drive a bit of a wedge between you and the family no, not me and my sister. No. No. Um, I'd say if... No. I'd get sly comments and stuff at events from, like, my aunties and stuff, but it's not because they was being sly. It's because they didn't understand what I was going through. Yeah. Like, they would go to me, oh, Courtney, why are you not eating? Or why are you being miserable? Or, and look, completely understandable. You don't know what I'm doing behind closed doors. And even if I did understand it, they probably wouldn't even understand why I'm doing it. And my mum only starts realising it now because she's listening to my podcast, she's reading my books. She's only really starting to get it now. Whereas if I just come to her and told her, I don't think she would have understood it. Because growing up in the generation that my mum grew up in, it was normal to lick crisps and not eat them. It was normal to not not eat. It was normal to just eat cereal because yeah. nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. That was the generation that she was brought up in. That was that was that was the, that was the tagline to yeah. that generation. Yeah, the yeah. Ni- the nineties was that was a tagline. Eighties, well, not the eighties, but the nineties and early two thousands. That was a tagline mm. in your in your era, wasn't it? But in it, what would your advice be then? To obviously, a lot of people listening to this, maybe entrepreneurial, maybe not, but they've got some of them have got children. Some of them, some of them listening to this, are, you know, are going through this themselves. Mm. How? Do you approach someone if you know someone's going through this with without alienating them? I think a big thing is to not just be so pushy about it. Because being pushy just gets people's backs up. I think to go around it really carefully, and I'm actually going into schools and talking to young girls about this at the minute. 
because I think it's a massive thing to stop it before it gets worse. I'd say stop demonising food because I'm not even joking. How many people say things are bad from you can't eat them? I think that's what I was mainly brought up with as well. And then my friend Amy's got such a good relationship with food and she always has done because her mum's always just said, you just eat when you're hungry. If you don't want dinner, you don't eat it. Stop forcing kids to have dinner. Stop forcing kids yeah. to eat things they don't want to eat. Obviously, you've got to make sure they're eating enough, but stop forcing kids to like eat when, they, when they're full. And I think that, <laughs> that then doesn't help. So maybe instead of like giving a kid a plate full of food... Put like a big family sharing size meal out and let people enjoy having food together and let people enjoy choosing the foods that they want and how much food they want to eat and stopping eating when they're hungry. And maybe that's how you could stop it from a young age. And then obviously, if your friends are going through it, yeah, I'd say don't be don't be snappy with them because you're just going to get their back up. It's going to make them then maybe turn to it even more because obviously if they're using it as a defence mechanism anyway or to make them as a comfort, I use comfort not eating. I use comfort to make myself skinnier. So if you're then saying to me, why are you not eating or you look skinny, I'm probably going to thrive off that. So maybe instead go, oh, like, have you tried doing this strength training thing? Have you looked at this girl? She posts really good recipes or she posts really good workouts. Maybe influence her to try other things because that's how that's how I helped. Someone come up to me in the gym and they went, oh, have you, maybe do you want me to help you pick like training? And they started getting me to do different exercises and they started just teaching me different ways of training and stuff like that. And then I started enjoying it. And I actually felt better. And then people would like recommend like different people to follow or different diet plans. And I actually had this one guy called Josh when I done my PT qualification. I done my PT qualification when I was really skinny. So I actually done it originally to learn how to lose weight more and just get myself in better shape. And then I ended up loving it. But he honestly gave me one to one sessions for free and he was amazing. Like incredible guy. He had an accident when he was younger and I think oh, I can't remember what it was it his leg. He had like um, a metal bottom half of his leg and him and his wife were just such amazing people. But he literally would come in an hour earlier, help me PT, help me gain a bit of strength. And he really did help me. And I think sometimes that's all you need. You just need one person just to help you through things. And again, like that's not going to help into anyone. Don't, everyone, don't get me wrong. They're not always going to have that one person to help them. But watch YouTube videos from empowering people. Listen to podcasts. There's so much information out there. And when you start educating yourself more about it, Something, something just switches. Something just clicks. So was there, was there a, a point then when you were training with Josh that mm. he kind of then improved your eating and you started to get you back eating right? And yeah, because I think he started telling me about macros. He started telling me about like what what you actually need food for. It's not just calories. And for me, I just see it as eat as little calories as I can. Whether that means I just eat special K, whether that means I just eat vegetables. Because I literally just used to buy, you know, then bag of steamed vegetables yeah. and if I could live on three of them that's all I'd eat and a packet of blueberries or a mango that's literally some of the things that I used to do like I used to take a couple of bags of them steamed veg in because it would fill me up because the fibre in it I'd have a mango or I'd have some blueberries and that would be me it's amazing that you could even operate on that level of energy you know when you're talking about actually trying to operate and look I wasn't even diagnosed with anorexia or an eating disorder like I was very, very, very thin. But imagine if I was thinner, and I know so many people are going through this, and they are actually hospitalised about it. So imagine what they're eating. Imagine what they're doing. And I felt so shit. Like, I felt so shit. I was literally consuming some days 300 calories. Most days about 600. But then remember, I'm probably running about 1,000 off. I would run, I'd run for hours. So you're at negative 400 every day. I mean, how long can you really go on as a human, like, operating at that level? I would literally... Um, 
they, as well, like people must have known that there was something wrong with me or like I was unhappy because I would call in sick in work at least twice a week. <laughs> I don't know how I got away with it. Because they fancy me. I'm joking. But I would honestly get the get the bus to work, get the bus to the night bus, go to the gym, and I'd think, sod this, I ain't going in. Well, so I put my head on the radiator in the toilet and I splashed water in my eyes to make it look like I've been sick. Just so I'd go home. Couldn't stand being there. Well, and you, what were you doing for work then? I was an accountant. Well, to be honest, if I was an accountant, I wouldn't want to go into work anyway. Yeah, even so, it, so like, you know, account, accountancy was never something, obviously, you were passionate about. No, I, I, I envisioned myself trotting around in hills as a banker. That's what I always envisioned myself to be. But it's ama- it still amazes me how the eating disorder in itself actually served you in a way because it got you into the PT. It's the best lesson that I've ever, ever, ever had. And it got you into your career that you mm-hmm. have now and obviously you've smashed it in fitness and, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers online. Maybe anger motivates me. Maybe that's what gives me the push. Like I was angry, obviously, that I put myself through that. And then I was obviously angry about certain things. Maybe I was angry about my dad. Maybe I was angry about that. And that's what's motivated me. Because I, I do think whenever I come out of a situation where I've been upset, I've always benefited from it. That might sound really weird. But if, say, for example, I'm seeing someone and it doesn't end well, I, I always end up excelling somewhere. And maybe it's because I've got that little bit of anger or that little bit of... But how did you, how did you get out of... How did you go from accounting then? And obviously, you've just learned PT, you just qualified. Josh has helped you. You've now got your eating back on track. You're an accountant. How did you segue from accountancy into like full time PT and then, and then obviously building up your online uh, platforms? So, I've been posting on Instagram since I was about 16. Um, so, when I was about 18, I had about 80,000 followers. So, I've, I've gained a following for over the years. It's not like I've just randomly got followers. I've been posting for literally about 10 years now. So I used to post like fashion posts. When I had my eating disorder, I used to like post loads of going out outfits. I've always been really into fashion. Um, I think that's one thing as well, though. Brands stopped working with me because I was so skinny in these posts. Um, so I've always, always posted. So I used to post my going out outfits, just lifestyle. And then obviously when I started doing this PT course and I started loving it, I then started posting loads of gym pictures, loads of like gym videos. I have literally been posting gym videos since I was 17. And I've been posting like challenges, abs, workouts, pictures, pictures of me in the gym, um, recipe pictures. I, I remember I used to make like protein cheesecakes. I've worked with like my protein, protein world. Like literally, I've literally been doing it for like eight years, fitness. But you were still getting paid in the early days for fashion, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so from the age like of... Like 70 quid a post. From the age of what? 16, 17? 17, yeah. About 17. But to be able to earn 70 pound a post... That was amazing. It, it, you know, you're not talking many posts for you at 350 quid a week. You're, oh. earning, you're earning more than you're earning in the accountancy. Tell me about it. This is where this come from, right? So obviously, I was earning... I think I was earning after tax 1,100 pounds from the accountancy. At per one month? Point, yeah. At, but yeah. at one point, it was 600 quid. Right. So I earned 600 pounds in this apprenticeship... And then I leveled up. I was able to go faces every weekend because I got a got a pay rise. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so I started obviously while I was doing the accountancy. At the same time, on the weekends, I was doing the PT course. Yeah. So I got qualified while I was doing the accountancy, and then I was researching everything I could I could learn. 
I've done every bit of information about training. I obviously loved going to the gym myself. I'm athletic. I'm, I used to love dancing and all whatnot. So I was just passionate about it. And then I started doing um, like plans for people online. So I'd like write up in Word people's plans. Oh my god, if I look back now, I'd laugh at them. That was, that was terrible. Probably the worst advice I've ever given. I was like 19. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, and I'd literally type them up on Word. I think I charged 70 quid for them or 80 quid for them. And I think I'd done about five a week. So again, so, you, so you're doing like, at this point, you still got your job. Yeah. You got, you're doing five plans a week, 70 yeah. quid each. You do, you, you got your 70 quid per post for your fashion stuff as well coming yeah. in. Yeah. Plus now you're getting into the fitness game. And I also used to buy and sell dresses on eBay. So I used to buy like really cheap bandage dresses on eBay for like eight quid and then sell them on like resale sites for like so, 30 quid. So what, so what do you reckon you would, Earning then per week at eighteen? Oh, probably like a grand. Something like that. Yeah. Thousand pounds a week at eighteen back in back in those days as well was a lot of money. I'm a lemon squeeze a geezer. Yeah. <laughs> so so you've always been able to turn social media and attention into money. I knew I would make money. I knew I would. Like this is what I'm saying. I've always known somehow I would. Whether that be, I don't know, whether I'd literally just carried on selling, buying and selling things or I'd made it as a top broker at JP Morgan, whatever I'd done, I was going to succeed in. So, so what's your piece of advice then? Because obviously a lot of people, especially a lot of creators out there, mm. have, a, have big followings, don't make no money. What, what is your, the key thing that you've learned from building your brand that's allowed you to monetize so quickly and swiftly at, at every stage of the game plan? Be genuine. Massive that is my biggest piece of advice. And I'm saying that because I built my brand up a lot from obviously posting about these transformations and stuff. And then my brand went like this for about two years, a year and a half, two years. And it was so just like that. Mm. Didn't move. Didn't go up at all. And for someone who was thriving and then it just went, I was getting worried. I thought I was going to have to go into a different career. And it's because I was so ungenuine. I lost myself completely. I hated myself. I was doing everything for other people. I was posting for other people. All my workouts, there's videos of my ass. None of my workouts were helpful. I was getting fillers all in my face. And I just got really wrapped up in this whole social media and worrying about what was going around me. And as soon as I stopped that, and I'm not even joking, it was like a light bulb moment because this only really changed maybe four months before lockdown. And then look how much I boomed. And if, I, if that didn't happen, if I hadn't changed something about myself... And I just woke up one day and I was so miserable. I remember going into the gym that I worked at and I said to one of the boys in there, I said, look at me. I said, I don't even look like myself. I said, I look awful. I said, I've got so much filler in my face. I've got these massive eyelashes on. I said, I do not even look like myself. I said, I hate myself. And I literally went, I had it dissolved. (laughs) I went in and I just, something just clicked in me. I thought I need to get back to who I was. I never used to laugh as much anymore. I found everything so serious. I worried about what everyone thought of me all the time. Do you think the toxins in the filler, though, as well, were also playing havoc with your hormonal system and all that kind of stuff I've as got, well? No, honestly, I just think I just got wrapped up in it all. I literally got wrapped up in all of it. And it's mad because... It's, s- it's mad how fast that can happen, though, when you're, when you're in the game that you're in. Because obviously, in the fitness industry, it's highly on looks, it's highly on followers it's all you know you're around yeah. a lot you, you, the but when pit- you're not being genuine you're not you're not happy because you're not being yourself you go into every situation over analyzing what anyone's saying about you you go you walk down the street and you're always worried about what people are thinking about you because you're not being yourself obviously if you're acting like some someone that you're not 
you're not confident in that. If you're being who you are, you're confident in it because it's just you. So which parts of yourself do you... How can you, you sell a service when you don't believe in yourself? But which parts of you do you think were, were, were not the most genuine at that point? Everything, because I was changing my image so much. So I was then worried. Yeah. yeah, I was then worried about what people said of me. Because I was so unhappy in my head. I would literally look in the mirror every single day and pick and point about things that I didn't like about myself. Did your friends change a lot when you reinvented yourself, dissolved the filler out of your face, got back to being your true self? Did you find the people you were surrounded with changed? Do you want me to be honest? I changed. I've unfollowed so many people. I've took myself away from so many friendship groups. And that has caused me a bit of, bit of shit. I've had people coming up to me, why have you unfollowed me? It's not because I don't like you. It's because I don't want to be around your energy. I found myself, because of that, I was surrounding myself with people that was exactly the same as how I was acting. And I didn't like it anymore. I was logging on my Instagram and I found people being really judgmental, really negative towards other people. No one was motivating me. The, the the people that I was surrounded by wasn't really, like, driving me to feel better about myself. And I felt like I was just getting dragged down. I felt, like, really claustrophobic. And I remember ringing my mum, actually, and saying to, my, saying to my mum about a month into lockdown, just going, I'm so happy that this is where I'm at now. I said, because I was so claustrophobic at one point. I actually rang my mum one night and said, like, I'm just not happy. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was. I just wasn't happy. I felt like I was suffocating. It, it's, it's such an important conversation to have as well that who you're surrounded by mm. is exactly the direction that you're it going. Is. And you, you you can't get around it. And there's been times in my life where I've been surrounded by people and I'm like, do you know what? These people, as, as nice as they are, they're just not going in the direction that I'm going in and they don't have the same vision. And it's not to say that they're bad people or anything else. It's just like, you've got to recognize that and you've got to move to a different location. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I say to people is like the fastest way to change how you feel is to change your location. Because and change and change the people you're around. And, and, but some, but sometimes the bet the fastest way to change who you're around is to change the location. Yeah, 100%. Like, because, because I, it's like, I was in, you know, I was doing all right in the UK doing podcasting since I've been back there. But I just didn't feel, I didn't feel like alive. Yeah. So same. I was like, right, I've got to change the location then. And when, as soon as I got to Dubai, things started to flow again. Yeah. Like business started to flow again. Relationships, like building. Who you, rela- oh, thank yeah. you. Who you surround yourself with, especially in relationships, is so important. I see some people and they're going out with people just because of what they look like or just because they make them laugh. I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. Just because they make them laugh, right? Just because you find someone funny and you find someone good looking does not mean that you should go out with them. Might be fun for now. You need someone who's going to literally make you so driven every day when you wake up. That's going to challenge you and it's going to actually make you the best version of you. And I see it too many times that my friends get dragged down. Me as well, it's happened to me so many times. Dragged down by people that they're seeing or they're dating and they don't even realise it until they get out of it. But if if you haven't dealt with all your shadows in your life, yeah. like in terms of like if you, your toxic past, your relationship with your dad... I'd deal with things that were going on in re- in regards to my head about my relationships with my mum that affected all my mm. relationships with women at the time. Yeah. And, kept, and it was a repeating pattern, right? If you don't deal with that, you'll keep meeting people to slot into that environment yep. for you and you keep getting the same lesson, the same lesson, the same lesson over and over again. Mm-hmm. So the o- the only way in essence to f- to figure that out is if you if you're with a partner and you're like why well, I'm actually with this partner it will be because there is a trigger within your past that needs to be answered and when you mm-hmm. answer the trigger you can move yourself and accentuate through and and heal yourself 
because you know broken people attract other broken people essentially mm-hmm. is that kind of what you've experienced 100 percent. and you put up with shit as well when you're broken don't you when you've got them little triggers or you've got them little niggles you put up things that you wouldn't normally put up with you overlook mm. things that you wouldn't normally <clears> overlook and then when you become a stronger person i look back now and think as if honestly i will look back now or i walk past someone that i i, I spit, spoke to and i think of the ways that the things that i used to put up with or not even things i used to put up with or just the life that i thought was was good at the time and i think cost naff well, Dr. Martini taught me about values and how important it is to understand what your true actual values are. Yeah. Because when you understand what your true values are, I mean, lots of people think they know what their values are. Yeah. I'll give you an example. That every man will tell you that, you know, his value is like, you know, he wants to look after his family and this, that and the other. But his values, his actual real values might be about money and about moving forward mm. in life and his family might be his third value. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know one, your values, and two, how the values are stacked and, and in what alignment, you can't really move through and know yourself mm. well. You, you kind of get into these situations where you're not aligned and you think to yourself, why, why is that like what that? What you say your values are? Well, my biggest value at the moment is is obviously podcasting and creating educational content. Mm. That's, that's, that's my key value. And then I think after that is health. Mm-hmm. And after that, the third one is, 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 is money. Mm. Um, and and making money and doing business, and then and there's a couple more under that. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but but I thought my first value was money before I did the. Value. I would have, I would have said that when I was younger, hundred percent, definitely not now. So I thought it's it a was a big thing. Don't get me wrong, but yes, yeah, definitely not number one. But when I did this assessment that he gave me to do, I realised the podcast came before money. Yeah, and that explains explained what they allowed me to explain is why it took me so long to even think about monetizing the podcast then do you know what i'm saying or anything else in my life mm. so once you know your values you can now figure out why certain things are happening in your life and why certain things aren't because you know what your values are aligned against mm. whereas so many people are just pursuing things blindly without knowing what the fuck they value exactly and it's just it's just you're in this constant cycle but when obviously you started to make money and then you obviously quit your job mm-hmm you go full-time into being... So I was working of an evening and weekends at this PT studio. Yeah. So I started getting a, building up a really good client base. So I'd leave the office at like five. I'd be in East London. I'd drive to the gym in Essex, get there for like half six or whatever, do a couple of hours and then go in. I used to work weekends. I used to work um, Sundays, bank holidays. And I built that up, obviously. So I'm earning good money. I was only, I was only in like 30 quid now or whatever. But still, do you know what I mean? Like, I was like self-employed, just paid for the gym. That was it. So, built that up, and then I thought, Do you know what? Like, why am I slogging myself out of this office? I hate it. I'm young. If if I fail, I'll just do something else. Literally, what I thought. And I had that benefit. I had the benefit of time. I had that huge, great, big. Um, I didn't have no responsibilities. I was living with my mum. I thought I'm going to give it a go. Obviously, I loved what I was doing. I was so driven. I pushed it so much. When I'm saying to you, I used to post on social media. People in the gym that I used to work with. It, they they still say to this day they was like even when you like wasn't getting anything from it you turn up every single day you posted videos you posted your clients you would train with your clients you would literally go to breakfast with your clients look I weren't a great PT like I didn't really know anything back then like if I look back now I probably 
I was good at giving workouts. I've always been good at creating workouts, but the fit, the education and like the I think nutrition people were buying side your things, personality though, weren't they? Yeah, the nutrition side of things. Like I was young, do you know what I mean? I was I was fresh to the game, but people just liked being around me, um, and I like being around them. And I built like my business up from there. But obviously, where am I going to go from there? Like only thirty quid an hour in a gym in Hainault on an industrial estate. I mean, I could have went to London and charged hundred quid an hour, but then got tapped. Them charged by the gym 50% of that so where was I going to move from that and I weren't happy with that I love your adversity to to taking risks like you, mm. you're just not adverse to taking any risks like no. you you just literally thought right I'm this you've you've looked at it from an objective point of view and you said look what I'm doing now isn't going to take me to where I want to go no. to as uh, in my life that's not going to achieve not, I'm not going to achieve my goals doing that so I'm going to pivot and I'm going to pivot hard and fast and I'm gonna... all I've done all my life is pivot yeah all I've done even when I spent all my money building this app it was a gym focused app it only had gym exercises on it I've never done a homework in my life week later we're going to lockdown <laughs> but how did you get the money between that point between that point you yeah. quit, quit in the gym I know you. I know you had an ebook, and I think you did. I think yeah. You said- so I'm saying scaling. So obviously, I was in the gym, and I thought, how? Like as I say, I, I don't want to be doing this, and I'm not going to ever grow how I want to working in this gym. So then, obviously, I knew that I used to write the plans for seventy quid. I said, if I used to write a plan for seventy quid, I can write an ebook, and someone's going to buy it fifteen ninety nine. And I made this ebook. I think I spent three hundred quid on it, getting a graphic designer in. I done all the pictures on self timer with a with a tripod, starting up in the squat, squatting down. Getting like a, a full ebook of explaining the exercises, writing out all the plans. I've done an eight week plan to start with. And I remember, I think the first ebook, I think I've done like 280,000, 300,000 in sales. It's mad, isn't it? When you, when you, when you break it down. Yeah. Like and then ha- I've done five more. They didn't do as well. But I think all in all, I probably gained, probably earned about 500 grand. Six, so I bought my first flat with it and my, paid for my app. So you took the, so you made five six hundred grand out of the mm. ebook. You pay you pay your tax. You do all that stuff. You, then you drop the rest of the money into fully investing yourself again and going balls to the wall with it. Yep. I'm building this app, mm-hmm. and the app for you was just all about let's scale this thing. Yeah. And I, I I can't scale time. Couldn't make another ebook. Come on. Yeah. Like oh god, what am I going to do? Just keep selling these ebooks for the rest of my life. Draining as well. There's no motivation behind that. But so, how much did you spend on that first app? It was about eighty grand, seventy-five grand. And you just had no adversity to doing it. You just like that's. I it. knew it was going to work. I knew it was going to work. Like I'm a numbers girl. I've always been good at numbers. I've always been. I done A level maths when I was like thirteen in, in secondary school. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a numbers girl. Like I've always been good at it. I looked at this and I thought. I looked at the figures. Come on, it's a no-brainer. I'm not being funny, but even if I had five good months on this app, I've got my money back. If I'm charging fifteen ninety nine a month and I've got a thousand subscribers, I'm sweet. Do you know what I mean? And I had but, two hundred and eighty thousand followers. But I want what I want people to get out of this is is how you've got that self belief, right? I want to. What is what is your what what? How can this audience get the same self belief within themselves that you've got in regarding to backing themselves to do what they should be doing? Because there's a lot of people with dreams that aren't executing on them. Yeah. I think I've learned that I've learned that myself because I've gone into something half-hearted and it's never succeeded. Like if you don't have a hundred percent passion, a hundred percent belief in something, it's never going to do, it's never going to succeed. 
I, I believed that I was a good trainer. I see the results that I was getting. I loved what I was doing. And when people would come in and they would like critique me or whatever, I learned from it. But I also, I knew I was good at what I did. You've got to back yourself. You've literally got to back yourself. And I know sometimes that can be really hard. As I said, I was going through this time where I was really judgmental about myself. But in your, in your, in your why, in what you do, you've got to know that you can do it. So how have you got to know your why so, so in depth and so channeled that, that you can operate from certainty? I would say, obviously, when you get results, it's a massive thing. When you start seeing it actually working, and I'd say I just practicing what you preach, keep keep showing up. But I don't I don't really know to be honest with you. Where is that? Where is it come from? I think there's, there's such a. I feel there's it's, such. It's a, a hard one, ain't a, it? A, 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 I just feel there's something. I really back myself, and yeah. I, I look. I know that might sound big headed, but I do back myself. That ultimately, that's that's why I really wanted to have you on because I wanted to understand. You know, mm. you. You, you you are not afraid at all in any stretch of the imagination to throw balls to the wall, cash at it. Maybe it's because I had nothing to lose. <laughs> and you think your whole... I suppose it, I suppose maybe you're looking at it from the point of view is like, I started on a council estate in England. I've, got, I've come from nothing, yeah, so what? I'm doing well. I'm just going to have a right old go at it yeah. along this way because at the end of the day, the worst possible point is the fact of i end up back on a council state in england exactly so, i get chucked on a stage sometimes and luke he yeah. goes you're right he's like Fine. let me do it let me crack on and i just think sometimes so what if i get up there if they don't like me obviously it's going to be horrible if they get up there and they don't like me because if you worry about it you're never gonna you're never gonna push yourself you're never gonna get further and i actually say this to people on my workouts don't be a warrior be a warrior and I think a lot of people worry all the time. They worry about not succeeding. They worry about what people think of them. They worry about their business failing. And that's the, the biggest thing that stops them from succeeding is worrying. The key thing then is like when you've got one thing working. You're doing it, too much, yeah. It, it doesn't, you don't always need to add another thing, another thing, yeah. another thing. Like I know, I know there's a lot of people out 100%. there that say, oh, when one business is doing well, go start another. No. But the thing, the thing that I've found on my entrepreneurial journey that I'm going back to now is like I'm scaling content removal.com because that, that I know works and works well and we're good at it. Whereas when I've put other things in, Oh, we do this now we do this, we do this, we do, we do X, Y, Z. I'm, yes. I, I'm, I'm like, yes, I, I have lost yes. so much time, money, energy and peace most important out of all of that is peace yeah i lost peace in my mind I know, exactly what fr- you from from doing it because now i'm thinking about another thing my app has got a huge subscriber base right but in the grand scheme of things it's tiny compared to the amount of people in the uk alone at one point we completely lost our core vision right we was trying to scale out to america to all these different countries we was trying to get more men on the app when we've got, like, I'd say there's 85%, 80% of women on there. It, it does cater to men as well. But why on earth are we trying to change our brand, our vision, our why, to fit with other genders, to fit with all these other countries? When we've not even tapped into the smallest percentage of the UK. I mean, there's, there's millions of women in the UK. And there's like, you've not targeted any of them yet. Obviously, not all of them are going to want to train. Not all of them are going to be into fitness. But why are you trying it until you've absolutely dominated that audience? Why are you scaling out? 
I, I was, you lose your why. I was speaking to Matt Kelly, who owns Space Goods in the UK, and he was even talking the, the other week about launching European ads and that. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I, I mean, who am I to tell anyone to, what to do? But like, until you've absolutely smashed the UK market mm. and got it to the point where you dominate, like, there, there really isn't any point launching other ads in other spaces and doing all this, exactly what you said. Because what we were doing was paying companies to come in and do ads and stuff like that. And it's like, we've not even used our own client base yet. We've got this data pool of people that we've not even targeted yet. Why are we wasting? Focus, have a, have a core vision, sit down with your team, and you really need to re- like decide on what your why is, where you want to move forward, and how you can do it in a really realistic manner. Because there's no point spending all this money, wasting all this cash, and then not even getting the vision that you wanted in the first place. You need to have a really solid core vision. Who are the people in your team that you've brought on that, that really brought you back to that? Or was it something that you saw on the outside where you were looking at it and thought, I'm spending all this cash over here, here, here and here. And you're just watching them all run around trying to execute on what on all these things that you've given them. And then you kind of come back to you and you're like, this yep. is just too much. It was who we got rid of. We had one thing, one piece of advice, and look, I'm 26, right? You might be looking at me like, "Ooh, she's take business advice from me." From I've done a lot in my in my in my career and in my businesses. One piece of advice is your team is so important. Do not have people that don't have the same vision, don't have the same beliefs in the brand, and you can't 100 percent work with because we've had people that work with us, and we've found out they're either not on the same path as us. They're maybe a little bit sly. They're doing things that you don't necessarily agree with and you're letting things slip, you're letting things slip and it becomes very messy. As soon as that team environment starts dipping, everyone becomes unmotivated. Everyone starts not turning up to work as much. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you put one bad apple in a bowl of fruit, they all go go rotten, don't they? Yeah, we had two. And as soon as we, we sorted that, we discovered that we've got a really good solid team with us now. And we sat down and we just, we thought one of the reasons why we started dipping was because I started taking a few extra days off and I realised that to keep my brand going, people want me to be training them every day. Another thing was we was trying to like scope out too much. We was forgetting about the women that we really help mainly. And we was trying to like adding all these different trainers to help men and all these different instructors. When people actually just want to be enjoy fitness. And we just need to focus on our core values. And yeah, of course, like men can use the app, but obviously, women is the biggest driving factor of our app. Yeah, once once if you know your core audience, mm. serve your core audience. Yeah, and keep keep drilling down until you until you've absolutely, I mean, own the market, so to speak. But you, in in your kind of demographic in the UK, it's probably ten million women, right? Exactly. So exactly. Until, so until you got like until you got at least a million or however many millions in exactly. the app, like you've still got penetration that you can have in that market and not only that by having them all in a similar market uk parts of europe yeah. wherever they are by having them all in that market you've got the referral network as well it's like when people say what's your five-year plan i absolutely hate that phrase what's your five-year plan because i think it then puts a pressure on people to say all these mad crazy like things that they're planning sometimes it's literally just to dominate what you're doing and get the best at what you're doing do you know I what? absolutely hate that phrase. I um, it's not a question you was going to ask me. No, no, I had a, <laughs> I, I had a mad realize I had a mad breakthrough the other day, and it came from a came from a a man who's high up in this, right? Oh, okay. And he listens to the podcast, and he said to me, 
what's your what's your vision for the podcast and what you're going to do and what you're going to execute on and i started i sent him a voice note it's mad voice note about this that the other and it was all i can't remember the words he used but basically i had i had i had literally said everything i was going to do and it's all it's all like but i hadn't brought it back to the numbers and when he when he gave me this advice to bring it back to the numbers and reverse engineer the outcome on the data rather than oh that sounds all great you know having these mad visions but like where's the data where's the data to back that up yeah what's the data saying how how are you going to apply the data it's just a profound moment for me because i realized that a lot of my life i'd i'd been pursuing things in these in you know oh i'm passionate about it rah rah all this which is all great but what's the data telling you? In your business, the data is telling you that your women are between this age and this age, and they're located here, here, and here in this country, this country, in this country. Okay, we'll serve them then. Yeah. Because you're already doing that, you can already scale that. Yeah. So, so when you know when you know your data, you can move different. Whereas I wasn't looking at the data; I was just looking at, oh, this is what I want to achieve, and it's all woo woo. But it's all. But when you're woo woo and like that, you're all up in the air. You're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it, so it, it just really helped me clarify my objective and how to move once I looked at the data and worked out the data on the business side of, because to scale a podcast, to get to where I want to go to, to scale what you're, where you want to go to, you need, you need a revenue model. You need to look at what the revenue model is. Well, I was never looking at that because I was just passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Never thinking about revenue. I was just spending cash to mm-hmm. take this further, but never looking at anything else. So it just really helped me gain clarity when you look inward and you have someone from the it, for me, it was from the outside. You've seen it. You've looked at your team and gone, fuck this, this is too much. Yeah. But I had to have someone from the outside tell me. And that's three and a half years in. I literally so, went, fuck this, this is too much. It cost me too much money. You're bringing us down. You're not doing anything. But if anything, you're just stressing us out. <laughs> what? what how, how, you know, when you left the gym and obviously you, you made the ebooks, obviously that was you. You scaled that to like half a mil. Was, that, was it the half a mil point you took on your first member of staff? No. At what point I did you I already had my first employee when I, in lockdown. Oh, really? So, like, 2020? Yeah, like, two months into lockdown. My best mate. <laughs> what, what's I had PA. That was it. Obviously, we had um, outsourced app developers. Yeah. Like, a company that we used, but... So, what had you scaled to in terms of revenue numbers by the time you, by the time you took on your first employee? Uh, George just started working with me. Mm, to be fair, in... When we was in lockdown, though, I didn't earn anything for, like, five months. Like, I didn't get subscribers on the app for five months, so I was doing the free live workouts. So, so, you, so you're doing free workouts, you're spending cash flow on developing your app, but you still decide, here again, you're relentless, you've backed yourself again. I was getting, you? I got up to 35,000 views on a live workout one day, I knew that I was going to turn that into cash. I, I had a plan in my mind, that obviously, I'll just say one day that this, you're going to have to just come home to the app. <laughs> And I trickled it down by doing that. And what percentage were you working There's out? There's no way I've helped that many people's lives for five months. You've sh- I've shown up every day at 9am and they've become a routine. They've become accustomed to that routine of training with me every day. And they're just going to leave that. No way. No way. So you're telling me that you every day for five months, you went and had the same breakfast and you went and done the same thing. And you loved it, and you it was making you feel happy. You was enjoying it, and it wasn't really costing you anything. It was costing you, like, you could afford it. It was really easy to fit into your life. You'd just give it up. 
suppose you've got a point. You, you wouldn't. And, and Would you chuck away your favourite bed sheets? No. It depends who'd been in them. <laughs> True. It, it, it really depends on the energy that's been. True. Like, yeah, sage. I, I'm telling you now. Yeah, you need to sage them, or, or you know, it depends if there are if there are a few thousand thread count. Yeah, you might have to just go over it. To be honest, and the, and the silk, you might have to just get over it and get the um get the sage out, sage yeah. them all up. But you know, you don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's a few answers to that question. I'm not there gonna, is. To be I'm fair, not, right? Not, we'll forget about the benches. Sorry for lowering the tone. It's not. It's not. That kind of, <laughs> we're not. We're not going into that. But no, I just. I just think it's really a key thing in your whole journey it's like literally like there again you've backed yourself you took on an employee you've launched an app you spent 80 grand by the way i made my best mate leave her job and is this is this is this, <laughs> is this the best mate the further down the track you had the falling out of as well yeah yeah me and you don't talk anymore yeah so so talking to employing friends and how that kind of works out because obviously obviously on this it's so hard i know what you're gonna ask me to should you not employ friends i'm so glad that i employed her like, because when she was working for me, she'd done me a lot of good. Mm. Like, I think where she was, we was literally best mates with our sisters, right? That's why it's sad that we don't talk anymore. But when she was working for me, she literally went above and beyond, right? Above and beyond. Like, above and beyond. This is why I don't know whether, like, look, whatever happened between us happened between us. But she went above and beyond. But then I think, obviously, it's hard because when you're working with someone every day and then they start telling you <laughs> what's going wrong or things that are going wrong. And obviously the my job was really stressful. Like the we had really stressful times. Like we sometimes the app went down and we had thousands of people just messaging us like abuse. And like sometimes we'd just get like, it would be like awful. And it's hard to then try go on holiday with your best mate the next week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When I'm, I, I'm stressing, I'm being aggy. And obviously my PA's there, who's also my best mate. It's hard. It's it's hard. You, but I don't regret employing her because obviously it was... Because you scaled with her, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I've got a lot to thank her for. Do you know what I mean? I think you've both probably learned a lot separately from that situation. 100%, yeah. 100%. And I think, like you say, when you've got your friend and then you're going on a holiday with her the next week, you're going to talk right, about... Okay, you're so going to talk it's about It's like work. going on holiday with your boyfriend. yeah. And you're constantly stressed out, you're constantly stressed out, you're constantly stressed out, and they do something that really pisses you off. You snap. Because you're with them every day, right? If you're with your best mate every day and she works for you, mm. I was probably snappy. She was probably snappy with me as well, because we're with each other every day and we're in stressful situations. It's It, it can make it quite toxic. Yeah. Go on it. Yeah, well, I, 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 can, I can only imagine, because you're in a high-pressure environment. Cause obviously yeah. Obviously, we've got thousands of people. And, th- right, this is another thing, okay? People, tur- people turn to exercise as a form of release, right? It's either to make them feel better about themselves, to make them happier, to escape part of their lives. If their workout's shit, or if their app's not working that day, oh, my goodness, they're coming for me. Do you know what I mean? I, or I understand it because if you're really like low in self-confidence or if you're turning to me to make your day better and like, you've spent that one hour that you've got with me and you didn't like the workout or the sound was rubbish or it was crackly, you're going to be fuming, yeah? And that's why it's such a high-pressure environment. Honestly, I love what I do. I help so many people, but 
Oh my goodness, I have had such up and downs from it. I've literally had to see counsellors. I had my first panic attack. Because I'm so passionate about what I do and I put so much effort into it, when I then maybe don't motivate someone that day, it sounds so silly, or when someone doesn't enjoy the workouts or if I get like a little bit of negativity, it absolutely destroys me. Because I put my heart and soul into it. And as I say, I've worked all these years and I wake up at five in the morning to do all these videos and whatnot. And when you get negative feedback, it's just not nice when it's your passion and it's something that you actually want to help people with. So obviously when we was doing that and we'd have like these little disruptions with the app or we'd have like these hiccups, she would also see me absolutely upset. Like she would see me like, she'd, she'd be on my Instagram and read messages. Like sometimes it would be like really horrible or really negative or she'd go on like the, I would never read them, but she'd go on the gossip columns. Obviously she's my best mate and she, it would upset her as well. And yeah, it's not nice. It was just an accumulation of things, I think. Yeah. I can, I can, ima- I can imagine how difficult it was as well because... I actually messaged her. Um, I'm being really honest now. But I actually messaged her maybe a month ago when I was in Dubai last time because I had this like, deja vu moment. I had these slippers on and whatnot. And I said to her, I've got deja vu, I've got these slippers on. And she kind of just went to me, oh, I'm surprised to hear from you after the podcast and the high performance podcast. And I said, oh, it's, it's not, I, I didn't say anything like... I didn't. I don't dislike you. I still got a lot of love for you. I literally just said like it's unfortunate what happened. And I explained the situation, but I feel like it's, it's it's shit because obviously we're we're both clearly hurt about it. But I I just feel like there's no going back. Like I tried to break the ice a little bit, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's sad, isn't it? But sometimes you've got to move away from your friends. I think as you evolve, yeah, as a human, you are going to lose people along the way, yeah. But there was pivotal lessons in that for both you and both her of us, yeah. That 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 you both got, yeah. You know, it wasn't just a when you have a disagreement with someone, or when these lessons come out mm. in the wash, however they come out in your life, you both get the lesson. Oh, that's yeah. what I've realised. Yeah, you, you're not not. There's not one of you getting a lesson. One of you's not learning anything. No. Even if you don't realise it at the Even time. Even if you don't realise it at the time, there's actually nothing really, truly bad. I'd say people have absolutely made me. Don't get me wrong, I felt broken at times, but oh, the, the, the lessons you learn from other people is what makes you who you are. It really is. Well, put it this way. If your childhood hadn't have been the way it was, mm. if you hadn't have gone through the eating disorder, if you hadn't have gone through your dealing with your dad's addiction, if you hadn't have gone through everything that you've done you wouldn't be sat here today with uh, an app that does you know mm. millions of pounds you wouldn't be sat here with book deals you wouldn't be sat here living in dubai you wouldn't be sat here with the opportunities that you've got yeah. at your disposal in in essence the the life that you've lived has allowed you to go do you know what i'm just going to go balls to the wall and and just have a and have yeah. a real go at this because you've never really had any limits in your mind mm. um and and there's I, I meet a lot of girls, especially in the fitness or the modeling industry, that do have these certain limits in their mind that stop them doing what you've done because mm. they just won't execute the way that you've executed and back themselves the way that you've backed yourself, especially with that app. You know, because mm. anyone that knows about developing apps, eighty grand's just a start. Oh yeah, <laughs> like mm. well, that's just oh yeah, that's just that's just triple it monthly. Yeah, like when you start Crazy, when yeah. you start going down the path with an app, right? It starts Crazy, to get yeah. really expensive. Some I, people go, "Oh, can you just add this feature on?" Yeah, 
all right, we'll just muster up three months and do that in a week and spend 300 grand. But don't worry, we'll it. Just so that people understand, say you want to add like the most basic feature in the app, what, what are you kind of looking at price-wise? Oh, right, okay. So the forum that we've added, it costs us 45 grand. And people don't even really use it that much because we've got an amazing Facebook group. <laughs> Do you know how annoying that is? <laughs> <laughs> Little things like, oh, we're changing the train, like the 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 way that the app looks at the minute. So it's just a design element. UX, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just literally just a UX design element. So we're changing the way that the trainers are shown on the app. And it's it's costing like 23 grand just for a design. No like new features or anything like that. A calorie... Right, we keep a calorie counter costs us an absolute fortune, but to get a barcode scanner in there, I was looking at three hundred k because you've got to pay for the, the the library of stuff as well, and that's a rolling yearly contract. And people keep saying to us, "Can we get the barcode scanner?" I'm, I'm just like, we, at the minute, we just can't. <laughs> so the barcode scanner essentially can connects to something like Fitness Power, yeah, um, yeah, and, and Fitness Power probably charging you. For they the, charge us, yeah, for the API yeah. connection, yeah. Right, so that's so, so that's how they've monetized their back end. Then, so they've mm-hmm. monetized the back end not only from the from the the normal users, but then they charge companies yeah. like you to plug into the back of their library they've built up. Yeah. And to be fair, that app can be accurate in some degree, but can be really out on other things. As yeah. Well. So it's oh, like, as well, <laughs> it's crazy because I get an idea, and it takes three, four months to implement it, maybe five if you've got other things going on in the background. So do you think then, as you've as you've and it will bug me every day looking at the app without that feature. So as <laughs> as as you've moved along the process in business and scaled, you've noticed that it gets slower to move on stuff for you. With 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 app development and stuff, I'm I'm very I'm so impulsive. That's one good thing and one bad thing about me. I'm so impulsive. I'm really impatient. But my impatience and my impulsiveness has made me succeed in business because. I don't wait around. I don't dilly-dally. I, and it's made me make the best decisions. Also made me make some bad decisions. But I think on my feet and I think fast. And I've always been like that. Because I am I am quite impatient. I can't sit still. What, what, what do you kind of aspire to, to achieve like in the next 12 months with like with direction of where you're going? Like where, where's your key focuses? I want to settle in. I want to feel good where I am. I want to enjoy my life. I want to say yes to going out a bit more and just doing different things and I do that in London I've done that in London and I felt great for it so when I'm here I don't want to like structure myself to oh no I need to work 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 I want to like go to the beach clubs and maybe work from different places and stuff like that I want to grow my brand and I want to carry on growing my brand I absolutely love my app I love waking up every day and filming for my app it's just it's a passion of mine I want to get even more into that I want to do some more boot camps here because I love meeting people I've got a massive, great big walk around the marina on Saturday where everyone's just going to meet up and go for a walk. I love like meeting new people. I love listening to other people's stories. And I want to really network a bit more. I want to meet people that are going to inspire me and I can inspire them and we can grow from each other. And I think all of that is one key. Always listen and learn from other people. Don't be so what your way or the highway or you know best because you can learn a lot from other people, a lot from other entrepreneurs. And what's 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 your thoughts on Dubai? Is it something that's going to be a f- like a few years for you, more of a permanent move? Don't know. I didn't even think I was going to be here last year. People say to you, "Where do you think you're going to be in five years?" I ain't got a clue because where I, where I was five years ago when I was twenty one, I, I never thought I was going to be where I am now. Never. 
Never. I, I, I didn't think this, but I'm actually thinking to myself, maybe I, maybe I have a base here for certain part, times of the year as well, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe six months a year here. Yeah, like. And I, and I never, I've, I've been here twice before for, for, for periods of time, but never felt, this time I just feel a little bit different the third yeah. time. Just it's just I don't know. It's the other day actually. Obviously, saw you on that random boat thing that we got both. See me on the boat swinging a ponytail around, having the best time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing that. We, we, we ended up on this. Um, we both got invited to this business boat thing. It was actually it was actually real like mellow. It was cool. Um, just chilled, and um, you know, like I just realised. You know, when looking at the city from that from that boat, I was thinking. Oh, it's beautiful. How, how progressive is this place? Do you know how much better it is when I'm doing my workouts to that view yeah. rather than doing my workouts to my dining table? Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, I go for a walk and I can actually go for a walk at six in the morning and I'm not, and I'm in like light. Yeah. It suits my lifestyle to the ground. Yeah. I, I, I just think that so, so much opportunity out here for, there is, for yeah. people especially especially if you're living in a place like England for example yeah. like if you're if you're if you're in, in this audience and you and you listen but from you can Australia, make opportunity anywhere you go there's opportunities everywhere you can make opportunities wherever you go i just think opportunities are made easier in a place that are in true alignment with like sunlight for, for yeah. i think sunlight makes a hell of a difference yeah. like uk well, uk summer's you, I'm amazing gonna, i'm going to stick it back on you now so what would you say to people that can't get out of england some people can't move so how are they going to then? Well, here's here's the thing, right? You're saying that people can't move, and and their excuses could be they've got kids, their kids are in school, they this that the other. But there is always an option where they can move. But, Everyone's going no, to move to Dubai, though. And no option. I'm not. I'm not saying that yeah. they can, but there's other places as well that you can go to. But I'm just saying, from my experience, let's just look at it from because I I don't know what situation people are facing yeah. listening to. So I can't say everyone can move to Dubai or move to Australia yeah. or move anywhere. I'm just saying, from my personal experience, my own personal experience here, I was a carpenter and joiner earning twenty odd grand a year doing English heritage work in two thousand. Thirteen, and mm-hmm. I decided that my time in England was over. In terms of, in terms of like, I moved to Australia. Best decision of my life. It educated me on business. It educated me on life. It educated me on on networking, everything like that. And then after after seven, eight years, eight and a half years or whatever in Australia, I realised, right, I need to evolve again. So, would you say education's a key thing? I th- I think just get in, just understanding that where you're born. Doesn't, is, doesn't, doesn't mean you have you to are, yeah. doesn't define who you are so in answer to your question is put yourself in a city in the country that you are in that allows you the opportunities for the growth that you want in your life mm-hmm. so cut out negative people cut out the negative people but learn like, more put but yourself it, in situations where you're going to grow but say but say you're living in peterborough in the uk where yeah. i was where i was staying right and you're not oh feeling God, that, not Peter, bro. And you're not feeling that there's abundance of opportunities there. You can yeah. y- y- move to London then. Yeah. Move to Manchester. Move to somewhere there where there's more opportunities and you can create more network if you can't leave the country as you're saying. But I just think that wh- who you're surrounded by and the country that you're in as well like you can mo- you can you can really move. People just get too pigeonholed and thinking they have to stay in one place. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's all in the mind. It's not it's not the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd add to that? I'd say the same. I'd say obviously sometimes it is a little bit harder. Look, life's life, and sometimes I know people are gonna think, "Well, it's still not helping me." Fair enough. Like, but I do think taking a combination of what you've just said, a combination of that learning, finding something that you're passionate about, 
pushing yourself out of your comfort zones and backing yourself, I think combination of all of that is worth a go, right? I think you just got to risk it for a chocolate biscuit exactly. at the end of the day. Like you, you're not gonna. You're no, not... you ain't got a quick job. Yeah, you ain't got to pack up and move to bloody Australia, but you've got to start taking initiative and you've got to start working for what you want. Whether that means you start doing that of an evening, whether that means you wake up in the morning and you start putting together a career that you want to do that you're passionate about, and you do both at the same time, that might take you years. But at least you're making them steps. And then you might think, right, my next step is to move somewhere that is going to make me happier. My next step is to cut out these people and, and surround myself and network with people that are, are a lot more inspiring and they're benefiting me and they're educating me in ways I've never been educated before. Yeah. Because the school system and stuff like that isn't going to educate you. Watching YouTube, listening to other people, talking to people that are like, just, just try to, just try to approach people. Try to speak to people that you know are going to benefit you or going to help you in some way. I think you just got, I think that, the key is to go to collaborative environments. Yeah. Environments that are conducive to collaborating. Your Londons, mm. your Dubais, your, you know, your Sydneys, your Melbournes, your, your, your LAs, your Miamis. You know, these are, these are the places where you take yourself to. And they might not be for, for your whole life, but you take yourself there for a period of time so that you can find people of a similar mindset so mm-hmm. that you can move yourself forward. Essentially, you can't, you can't do that when you're sat in the same environment that you got sick in. So you can't get healthy in the same environment you got sick in, essentially. So if you're sick of where you are, then in order to gain new perspective, you've got to change your location. Yeah. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. That And that helps you with the separation from the people that you perhaps shouldn't be surrounded by, if that is your problem. Yeah. You know, you can always keep in contact with people, can't you? But I just, I, honestly, like, when I when I landed here and after day two, it was like like a veil had been lifted off me again and I felt like I could I was fully in flow again. And it's amazing the, the conversations I've had with the likes of you that have been productive and other people that have been productive and stuff like that. And also just my whole, oh, I could do this, I could do this. And things are firing again, firing and wiring. And Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about it, you know, each when you when you refire and um, rewire things in your mind from a different perspective it just it just allows you to see so much more opportunity mm-hmm. and you could even take yourself on a holiday another way of doing it i was it. just about to say that take yourself something take don't yourself let on, hold you back take yourself on a little holiday maybe have a little break from where you are and instead of taking yourself away with distractions i.e the phone social media all that stuff just that you know, I know it sounds woo-woo, but like meditate and, no, yeah, and, get, take a and, notebook. Get, and get present and start journaling and start really figuring out yourself. Write down what you want to achieve. Write down the things that you're passionate about. Write down your purpose. 100%. I was thinking that earlier when we were talking about the, getting away. You don't have to move somewhere. No. That might not be feasible. You just have to change it for a yeah. period. You just have to change it. I, th- I think that's what that's what I'm trying to get at with all, all of you. It's like you don't have to change it forever. You have to change it for long enough no to give you to pick up and move, move your, move your life. But you need to change it for a, a period of time to allow yourself the, the the peace to be able to see the opportunities in front of you, even where you are living right now. Mm-hmm. I think is is what I'm trying to get across to people. Yeah, I think that's that's the key I've learned with it. But if there was one piece, right? If you had to check out the world today, obviously you've smashed it. You've made millions out of your app. You've built a huge social following. You've changed thousands of lives and giving women hope and all that stuff in their fitness journeys. But if you were, if you couldn't take any of that behind, but you've got to check out the world today, but you could just leave one piece of advice to this audience that's going to empower them 
to move them that one percent in their life today that they can implement today what would it be don't lose your purpose don't lose your purpose in what you're doing don't lose your purpose in your why don't get drained into other situations it's going to start make you being disgenuine to yourself don't surround yourself with people that are going to lose focus don't forget why you're doing what you're doing don't forget why you want to succeed don't start just just worrying about what people think about you what car you're driving it's all great all of that but that's not going to serve your purpose in life don't just surround yourself with people because you think it looks good actually have a purpose and you're going to be so fulfilled and you're going to you're going to succeed a lot more no i love that i love that i love and is that just i just want to get just want a little bit more out of you how can they get clearer on their purpose look at yourself and think why are you doing it are you doing it because you think it's just going to make you loads of money great i mean that might be your driving factor but i don't think that's going to be very long lasting are you passionate about it do you have a do you, have, do you feel like you have a purpose? Do you feel like you can help people? Do you feel like you're actually good at it? Do you feel like you back yourself on it? Do you feel like you're confident in it? And that's how I think you know you've you've got purpose. And I and I'll and I'll I, I totally agree with you and I'll add this in I believe with this podcast that I can serve others with it. Yeah. And it lights me up on a different level and that's what gets me up and gets me to book the guests and gets keeps me moving. You know, even though there's there's other podcasters in England and America that are doing way bigger numbers than me at the moment, what gets me up is and what what keeps me fucking going every day is the fact that I'm trying to create something that you don't just listen to that you feel as well. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't just want people listening to, I want people to feel Same. the energy. Same when people come up to me and they go like, I mean, I'm not being funny. How many people are there that do these workouts? When people come up to me and go, I honestly, you've changed my life because you got me through tough times and I'd switch it on and I'd be happy to be with you and you've made me feel like I've got a purpose. And I mean, I go to beach clubs, I go on walks. I mean, I get stopped everywhere by people that are doing the app. And do you know how fulfilling that is? And it's like, I don't, I don't want someone to come up to me and tell me that, oh, you look pretty in your pictures or you follow me because of this or I don't know. Like, I don't want attention from people in that way i want attention from people because yeah. i'm making them feel good yeah. and when someone says to me oh do you like it when people come up to you of course i do they're not being weird they're not being creepy they're not saying that i look just nice appreciating you they're just appreciating me and they're actually like like loving what i'm doing for them and do you know how it's fucking amazing like it's so good so no, good i can see that i can see yeah it. I see, no, I, I feel it i feel it because i'm totally the same the same yeah i'm on board with you on that guys do me a solid favor yeah. if you've got the value out of this episode that I hope you have uh, and Courtney's journey and, and it's been an amazing one at that. Like and subscribe on all the platforms. Share this on your social media channels. I appreciate every single one of you that's, that's backed me for the last three and a half years on this journey and I thank you for your time coming thank on this you. day. And uh, I really enjoyed it and it's, it's going to be the start of a good friendship. Yes, yeah, great. Uh, even though you banter me. But, Look, know. no one's getting away from that, unfortunately. <laughs> but guys, like, subscribe, share it on all on all the channels. I appreciate you. Much love. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next. Hey.